Today on Abounding Grace from Pastor Ed Taylor. Why is the church so ineffective today? It's not just because we haven't gone back to the book of Acts. It's because we're in unrepentant sin. That's why. See, what happens when you add something to the gospel, not only do you lose the gospel, but you create more division. When you add something to the gospel, it doesn't bring unity. It brings another group to divide over. And now we no longer see each other for who we are in Christ. We no longer see a lost watching world. We we no longer find ourselves wanting to love and show mercy and grace to others. Now we want to fight for our cause. And I'm telling you what, the Lord won't bless that. We need to call the church back to its mission, its mandate, and the message of Christ. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You We are thankful for this time together with you and welcome to Abounding Grace. Troublemakers, they abound in the world today. It's seen in angry posts on social media, to dinner table discussions, or even comments made from pastors in the pulpits. Pastor Ed Taylor sheds light on this troubling trend, but also encourages us in the direction of being a peacemaker. His message is framed around Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 5. I want you to consider a few things as it relates to peacemaking in the last couple of years. Things that have become very divisive, things that have created a lot of destruction, a lot of suspicion, just hot topics. And the hot topics of day will soon pass. There'll be new hot topics in the future until the Lord returns. But I want you to consider them today. I want to quote uh, Pastor Tim on this, on some of the things that we've been dealing with in the last couple of years. You cannot be a peacemaker If you're offended by unwise decisions and perceived foolishness of others. You can't be a peacemaker if you're always offended by decisions that you don't like, that you don't want, and and you get upset with them, and you find yourself alienating people because you disagree with them. Let me show you what I mean. Look, notice in verse 21 of chapter 5 of Matthew. Chapter 5 of Matthew, Jesus goes on to teach in the very same message You have heard it said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. But I say to you, whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whoever says to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. And whoever says, you fool, shall be in danger of the hellfire. And so it's easy to read through the Bible and read through this and and almost come to this and say, well, this never applies to me because I can't think of the last time I ever told somebody, Raka. It's like, I can't think of it. So I guess it doesn't apply to me because I don't go around telling people, Raka. Okay. I want to give you another word to replace Raka that the English could be translated here as well. Basically, Jesus is teaching us that murder in our heart occurs when we diminish the value of someone because we disagree with them or we're angry with them. And it's progressive. It's first angry, anger without a cause. Then we start to think bad. We start to call them names and we diminish them as foolish and unwise. But the word raka is interesting. A word that is more common today that could be translated instead of raka is 
idiot. When you call someone an idiot, you diminish their value. And you place them in a position where no longer in your mind do they deserve the love of God. Why? Because they're an idiot. And decisions are idiotic. And I can't believe they did this. What are those idiots doing? And whether you ever say it, it's enough to think it. I'll tell you where this word comes to mind in my life. I wish I could stand up here and go, everybody be like me. I never say raka. But I don't. It comes up a lot when I'm driving. And I feel so selfish on the road. And, and I get upset with some behavior of someone's driving. And, and you know what? The truth is, I don't know what's going on in that car. I don't know where they're headed. I don't know if they're on their way to the hospital. I don't know if they're running away. I, I don't know anything about them. But I am very selfishly quick to assign to them some, some name, some, some thought, or even perhaps saying it out loud. Or I too am guilty of this. And it's become very popular in the political environment today for Christians, believers, to be saying things about people that should never come out of our mouths. That we have murdered people in our hearts and we think it's okay. And then we wonder, why is the world not captured? Why is the world not being turned upside down? Why, do not, why is it that we're not making any progress for the gospel? Could it be your own heart? Could it be you? Could it be me? Am I abiding presence? Am I no longer standing in a place of peace? Consider these things again, quoting from Pastor Tim here, and I quote, if you think that those who are against COVID-19 vaccinations are complete idiots, you can't be a peacemaker. If you think that those who approve of COVID-19 vaccinations are fools and puppets, you can't be a peacemaker. If you see your main goal is trying to persuade people to think the way you do, you can't be a peacemaker. If you avoid people who don't think the way you do, you can't be a peacemaker. If you can't move past what others think about masks, vaccinations, churches opening or closing, who they voted for for president, you can't be a peacemaker. If you're stuck in the deadlock of disagreement, you can't be a peacemaker. A peacemaker seeks to break up deadlocks, not make them worse. A peacemaker, peacemaker looks beyond what is to what could be. A peacemaker isn't out to punish enemies, but to make friends. Peacemakers don't shun or shame those who they disagree with. A peacemaker doesn't seek to find common ground in a cause, but in Christ. So the question is, are you a peacemaker or a troublemaker? If you're all about showing people they're wrong, putting people in their place, you're more a troublemaker than you are a peacemaker. Peacemaking doesn't actually begin with a decision to be a peacemaker. Peacemaking begins by being a person of peace yourself, trusting in God's will for your life, remembering you were born for a time like this. You were born as a born-again believer, to live in this actual time, living out your faith in Jesus. And of course, there'll be people you disagree with. And of course, there'll be opinions that you hold. And of course, you'll have personal convictions. But the question is, is how do you live them out? And what's really important to you? That's a question we have to ask as the church. What's really important? Peacemaking isn't like a skill set that you can read a book or listen to a Bible study. Like, like, you know, like if a police officer wanted to grow and maybe take a class on being a negotiator, you can teach someone how to negotiate. 
You can give them those skills. Peacemaking isn't like a skill to be learned. It's a position to be lived. When you elevate yourself and your own causes and opinions above the cause of Christ, you're not going to be a peacemaker. When you take strong positions because of personal convictions of things that really God gives room for in his scriptures, you're not going to be a peacemaker. A peacemaker is at rest in the middle of a storm, not making the storm worse, not jumping in the middle of it. A peacemaker is not offended when evil is done to him, when the winds and the waves push you back. A peacemaker, she knows that Jesus has her back. And her main purpose isn't to punish an enemy, but to make a friend through the manifestation of the blessing and mercies of God, of the position. It sounds a lot like Jesus. Remember, in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, Peter writes, For Christ also suffered once for sin. So I want you to see, suffering tied to, listen, Christ suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God. That is why you're on the planet, church, to bring people to God. And it's going to be attached naturally to suffering. In this world, Jesus said in John 16, you're going to experience tribulation, suffering. But be of good cheer because I've overcome the world. You have a singular goal. Get people to Christ. Bring people to God. And here's the thing. A great tragedy has overtaken the church the last couple years. Even some of my friends, men that I've served in ministry with together. I mean, there's one brother, this one brother, I was watching a video not too long ago, and, and he's there, and he's just boom, boom, boom. He's putting all the popular things and everything that's popular right now. And what does he do? He, he categorizes a group, and you know what he calls them? Idiots. How can you possibly justify that? How can you possibly, and then have it out there and go, this is what I believe and I'm, and he's a pastor of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You just can't go around doing that. Jesus said you'd be a murderer in your heart. And what's happened in the church in the last couple of years, I don't think it's a new phenomenon, but it's certainly something we've experienced now, I think for the very first time, is that causes have eclipsed Christ as the common ground. So now people are separating by their causes and not by Christ. So you got this group over here, and then this group over here is upset with this group over here because they got these causes when we all should be at the cross where that's where even, that's where we're all equal. That's where, that's where we all recognize our lostness, our poverty of spirit, where we're mourning over our condition, where we're praying for the world, where we're bringing people to Christ. It's no longer enough to confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Now you have to confess Jesus and believe in the resurrection and be an anti-masker. Now you have to be a pro-masker. You have to confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, but also you need to advocate for vaccinations or not vaccinations. And now the common ground is no longer Christ. And now you have people calling each other names and looking down at each other for more reasons than ever before. No longer does, does our creed include eternal truth about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, but now we've added causes. We've added causes about what political party you're in, because, I mean, if you're a Republican, then you can't be a Democrat, and if you're a Democrat, you can't be a Republican, and, and there you are looking down on, I can't believe those guys, you know, I can't believe this, and look who's president, and look who's, a, like, oh, okay, but what happened to the gospel? 
What happened to the gospel? The good news that someone's sins can be forgiven by the blood that was shed by Jesus Christ. And now there's a category of people that you can look down to and go, Raka. Oh, Dad, I've never said Raka. I know. Instead, you're watching the news going, idiots. Idiots. That's our church. Some of you. And there you are, just justifying. What do you think is going to happen to your heart? Where you're sinning and justifying, sinning and justifying. What do you think is going to happen to your heart? I'll tell you. You don't, need to, you don't even need to worry about it. I'll tell you. Your heart will become hard to the things of God. And then you'll go through the motions and go through the motions, eventually finding someone that agrees with you. So now you've got a pastor with a hard heart, encouraging your hard heart, not making a difference for the gospel at all. I mean, this is... These are life and death issues that we're in. And it's just been so polarizing in these last couple years. And the polar, if you're stuck on one of the sides, it's going to be very challenging for you to be a peacemaker. It's going to be very challenging for you to, to help, as Chuck Swindoll said, relieve tensions. It's going to be very hard for you to provide solutions and resolutions. It's going to be very challenging for you to reconcile because you've taken up a side. Common ground today is no longer faith in Christ, but now we've got political parties, the direction of our nation, on and on it goes. It's no longer faith in Christ, but it's your political philosophies and your cultural causes. And the irony is, is that as causes have multiplied, there's less common ground for people to stand on, because they don't know what to believe in, because they don't know which position to hold. Because they don't know if they're going to get beat up for it. They come to talk to you about Jesus and all you want to do is talk about your thing. Talk about your conviction. And just lay into them about why do this and why that instead of making room so that more and more people can come to the cross. Like you know that there's going to be offense with people. There will always be offended. But don't let the offense be you and your opinion and your convictions and you being upset all the time. Don't let the offense be your position, your personality, your name-calling, your diminishing. I mean, you think about it. The diminish a person created in the image of God is a sin. A sin that we all need to repent from. Like when we begin to see people as anyone other than someone created in the image of God, believer or unbeliever alike, then we automatically begin to think, well, if they're, not, if they're less than me, then I don't need to love them. I don't need to care about them. I can write them off. Imagine that, Christians writing people off. May the Lord forgive us and the church at large. You know, we think we're fighting for nations and constitutions and things. You know, when I read the Bible, I see God using nations to judge his people for becoming idolatrous. I see entire countries taking into captivity because they turn their back on God. And I see God answering the repentant heart and drawing repentant hearts back to them. You see, God, he wants to save people. You could have a message like this and go, hey, well, don't you care about our country? Of course I do. I know this is a sensitive topic. I, I think of those of you that served in the military or, or those of you that lost someone in the military to fight for our freedoms. I respect that. I honor that. I appreciate that. I think of those that you that are police officers getting, uh, getting treated as if you're not needed or not wanted or on the other side of that. And we say, oh, we appreciate you. I think of those of you that are people of color that have been discriminated against your whole life. And I say, I appreciate you. But I'll tell you this. I appreciate the gospel of Jesus Christ greater. 
He's the one that died for us. He's the one that allowed us to be in the same room together. He's the one that allowed us to live our lives to please him. He's the one that, you know, as I look at my own life, I see how my convictions have changed over the years. Have yours? I mean, now when somebody asks me as a parent, you know, they ask me for parenting advice, I look back and go, man, I wish I would have parented like this back then because I've changed my mind. Now, it's not like I wasn't like, in some kind of sin, but, but over time, I've matured and I've grown, and I would do it differently. Even as a believer now, I look back and go, man, I would do it differently. For and so my kids are going, I wish you would have too, but that's too late for that. God got us through it because we're all making mistakes, right? We're all learning in grace. But think about what's happened. Why is the church so ineffective today? It's not just because we haven't gone back to the book of Acts. It's because we're in unrepentant sin. That's why. It's not because we're not in the early church where the power of the Holy Spirit's upon us. No, the power of the Holy Spirit is upon us. We're just grieving the Holy Spirit. And if we, if we, we, we find ourselves adding, see what happens when you add something to the gospel, not only do you lose the gospel, but you create more division. When you add something to the gospel, it doesn't bring unity. It brings another group to divide over. And, and now we no longer see each other for who we are in Christ we no longer see a lost watching world. We, we no longer find ourselves wanting to love and show mercy and grace to others. Now we want to fight for our cause. And I'm telling you what, the Lord won't bless that. You will not be in a position of blessing. We need to call the church back to its mission, its mandate, and the message of Christ. Singularly. And I don't have responsibility over the whole church but God has given me a small responsibility over this church, and I am now passionately begging you that if you have left, get back to the message of the cross. Get back. Peace with God comes by means of the cross. I'll tell you, the reason why causes are popping up so much and people are so excited about them is they don't require you to die to yourself. If you adopt a cause, you don't have to die to yourself. As a, it's the exact opposite. You get to live. You get to speak. You get to be loud. You get to be surrounded with people that agree with you, and we're all going to be in. And a cause doesn't require you to deny yourself. It does the exact opposite. Elevate yourself. A cause doesn't require you to take up a cross. Because that's the thing, that the cross is what's giving you the cause. It's not the cross of Christ. It's your own perceived pain and difficulty that you've gone through. No, the message of the cross is what's offensive. It is offensive to be told, you know what? You want to follow Jesus? Deny yourself. You want to follow Jesus? Take up your cross. Absorb yourself in him. Peacemakers are those that deny themselves. And carefully and deliberately follow Christ. Everything is crucified so that Jesus will be glorified. And listen, it's not that you'll lose your opinions. Of course you'll have your opinions. And it's not that you'll lose your convictions. Of course you'll have convictions. And it's not that you're going to lose your strongly held beliefs. No, you will make sure that they're subordinate to the cross of Jesus Christ. And you know what will happen? They will become less, right? Remember what Job... John the Baptist said when he saw Jesus, he says, he must increase and I must decrease. So as you hold on to these things, as they change from year to year and they change from time to time, as you, as you hold on to these, but you elevate the cross, the things that you think are so important, you start to let go. 
because you subordinate them to the cross. That's what saved, the cross saved you, not some cause. The cross saved you, not some opinion. The, the cross of Jesus Christ is what brings salvation. When we allow political positions or cultural causes or concerned convictions eclipse the gospel, you no longer have the gospel. Paul would say in 1 Corinthians 1, we preach Christ crucified. That's our message. He is the common ground we rest upon, stand upon, build upon. You and me, every true believer in town. A peacemaker doesn't have enemies to punish, but friends to make. A peacemaker looks beyond what can be, from what is to what can be. Sees a kingdom that's coming, not the little kingdoms that exist today. A peacemaker overcomes evil, not with law or power or threats, but with good. A peacemaker is not a politician. A peacemaker is a person of peace. Paul would tell the Romans, repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. And if it's possible, listen, if it's possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. As much as depends on you. A soft answer turns away wrath, we learn. Proverbs 25.15 says, Patience can persuade a prince, but soft speech can break bones. A peacemaker doesn't need to be provocative or controversial or try to get all these followers on YouTube. or like You, don't need, you, don't, you just need to be the man and woman that God has called you to be. A peacemaker understands the power of words and uses them carefully to bring unity, not more division. There's a stark difference between reaction and response. And a summary of that could be reactions usually are sharp words and condemning things like putting people. When you react, it almost, is, it almost has this sense of defensiveness and then defensiveness always leads to attack. Ask any married couple, they'll tell you. You get defensive and then boom, you go back on the attack because you don't want to be defensive. And that happens in the world. And reactionary, just reacting to this and reacting to this. And what are we getting? All this info, all this info, all this info. React, 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 react. And the church has lost their mind. Pastors of, I mean, good friends of mine. I, I can't really spend a lot of time with them anymore. Because they have gone off in a way that I just, I can't be a part of. It's not the gospel. And you know, if I shared that with them, they wouldn't agree with me. But that, they're just going to have to take it to the Lord. And I wonder how many listening to me right now, near and far, have just left the gospel. There's just this reactionary, angry, mad person that if you were caught, one of your actions were caught and posted on TikTok, you'd be embarrassed. Everybody's watching all, everyone else. We even got names from them. They're Karens. Well, what if you're Karen? And we played you up on the screen. How Would you be proud of your Christian witness because you got caught up in it all? You forgot the cross. You're upset. Somebody left their shopping cart in the wrong place. You're upset because somebody has a bumper sticker of a opposing political party. You're upset because you fill in the blanks. What happened to the cause of Christ, church? You're listening to Pastor Ed Taylor on Abounding Grace and a message called, Are You a Troublemaker or a Peacemaker? Catch a replay at AboundingGraceRadio.com. 
Another way to take in a steady dose of God's Word is through the app and podcast. It's free. Just search for Ed Taylor. Abounding Grace is made possible through the support of our listeners. And when you give a donation of $25 or more to Abounding Grace, we'll send you a copy of Ebenezer Stones by Catherine McDougall. Are you discouraged or filled with anxiety today? It's often due to getting our focus off of God and onto our problems and difficulties. Well, this book will help you get your focus back where it should be, onto our faithful God. Catherine shows how an ordinary stone can be a powerful reminder of God's faithfulness. We appreciate the generosity of our listeners. It helps us provide the teaching of God's Word on stations all across the nation. Thank you for standing with us. Call 877-30-GRACE. And don't forget to request Ebenezer Stones when you give $25 or more. That's 877-30-GRACE or online at calvaryco.store. Tomorrow on Abounding Grace, we introduce Pastor Ed Taylor's new study of 2 Peter. His message will encourage you to look to Jesus in these difficult days. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.